Well, well, well. We are doing the huddle at night. And the NFL schedule has been released. They turn everything into an event. So, of course, we have to do everything differently. I am Rob Woodfork at the helm alongside George Wallace. And, of course, if we're going to talk capitals, you got to have Ben Raby here. He's the uh, uh, producer extraordinaire uh, for the Capitals radio broadcasts. And before we get into it, I have to tell you, that the D.C. Sports Huddle is sponsored by MGM National Harbor. It's time to change the game at Bet MGM Sports. And folks, look, you know, we, we do this every year, right? We talk about the one loss. We, we look at the schedule. It drops. We say one loss, one loss, one loss. We're doing that here tonight, not because it makes any sense, but because it's just a fun exercise. Now, uh, George, you cover the team. You're our beat reporter for the Washington Commanders. Uh, as I glanced over it, I'm thinking eight and nine. There's some rest deficit uh, games that play to their advantage, but then they're going to be at a rest deficit come the end of the season. What were you noticing with the schedule? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. That week 14 bye is brutal because <laughs> – you know, you've, you've go through the whole training camp preseason, then 13 weeks of the regular season, I mean, like 18 to 20 weeks before you get a break, uh, you know, and with four games left in the season at that point, I mean, they're going to be obviously be, you know, 12 and whatever. Uh, so, you know, they'll be <laughs> ready, ready, ready to rest people for the postseason. But no, look, I, it, it, when you take a quick glance at it, you see the two primetime games on the road, which I think everybody's fine with. Because nobody likes to go to FedEx Field, number one, anyway. They don't win at FedEx Field in prime time. In so, a prime time. So, yeah, doing them a favor. So, you get the Jacksonville and Detroit right off the bat. You couldn't have asked for a better way to ease into the season. Uh, new quarterback Carson Wentz gets a chance against the team that knocked him out in week 18 last year in Jacksonville. And then Detroit followed by Carson facing the Eagles. That game's going to be here in D.C., but you get into the NFC East in week three. I like the start. I mean, the first four games, you, you couldn't really pick it any better than that as far as the two worst teams from a year ago. So as far as easing into the schedule, you glance at that. You look at the bye. You got the Giants by Giants. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. Uh, and then also, look, you, it's every it's almost every other week. You have two road games back-to-back -back once, and then the only two home games back-to-back -back are at the way end of the season with Cleveland on New Year's Day, and then the uh, Cowboys, which obviously is going to be for the NFC East title at the at, you know last game of the year. So, uh, you know, look, we knew it was going to be – it's on paper, the Cowboys in Washington, the easiest schedule uh, percentage-wise. And just a quick glance at it again. It's May 12th, a quick glance. You kind of like the way it looks to be set up. All the home games also, selfishly, are going to be at 1 o'clock. So there you go. And that, yeah, that one o'clock is more of an advantage than people think it is. And just kind of doing a quick scan at the rest deficit. That was something that we talked a lot about over the course of last season. Yeah. They, they, they catch the, that first uh, that first Eagles game. They're coming off of a Monday nighter. So they're catching them on a short week. The Dallas game the following week in week four, Dallas is playing a primetime game before that. I'm pretty sure that's a Monday nighter as well. So you're yeah. catching them on a short week. So those are the kinds of games that Washington look, <laughs> and this is going to come off hyperbolic, but if Washington doesn't start three and zero, fire on Rivera, start over because you, know, you can't get, you can't get an easier start to the season 
then I mean, literally, it looks like the draft order if you look at the first. <laughs> their, if you look at the first three weeks of their schedule, right? So that's pretty good. You, you got to win that. You got to win those first three games. You got to at least be in the ball game against Dallas in Week Four because again, they're coming off of a short week. You gotta you, you gotta show something, and hopefully, look, maybe they're better at quarterback. You hope the offensive line can hold up, and if it does. This could be uh, the kind of start to the season that drives our ratings up because everybody's going to be going burgundy and gold crazy. Uh, obviously. Look, I think, you know, again, way too early, but it, yeah. it's not going to get any look Jacksonville and Detroit. I don't care if you're talking about it now or in September, those are two games you got to win. I mean, you got to be, you got to be yeah. after the first four, you got to be three and one or two and two. Yeah. If you're not, then we got a lot of problems. And that's a new regime in Jacksonville too. So you, uh, you know, add to it coaching change and new personnel mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And you, you got to take advantage at least of and, that game, if not those first three. And the answer to the trivia question, who was the first ever opponent for the Washington commanders who other than Jack, <laughs> there's your trivia question. That's a team that they've owned uh, quietly yeah. over the years, uh, six out of seven, they've beaten them uh, in their history. Not that that's any great shakes and uh, certainly doesn't, uh, you know, guarantee that they're going to win this game, but uh, everything is kind of pointing in their direction, but I will give this one warning though, that late buy I think is going to be their undoing. Like when Good I pick them to go eight and nine, that's because I fully expect them to struggle to get to that by those last three, four games. You know, you're, you're, uh, I believe that one's on the they're, road. They're winnable. Giants. Yeah, they're, they're winnable. winnable games. They're winnable games. But on the road in division, that's going to be hard in week 13. I think the week before that, they play the Falcons, uh, which is a team that's going to be, uh, you know, pretty competitive. Uh, depending on who they have at quarterback. But even still, I mean, just just being – I think fatigue is going to be a factor once you come out of that uh, that Philly game. Because remember, they're going to be playing on a short week uh, coming out of the Philly Monday nighter in week 10. So when they go to Houston. Yes. And then everything between that and the bye week is going to be yeah. a struggle. That, that's unfortunate if the fatigue catches up to them because at least on paper as we sit here in May – in Houston, <laughs> you have Atlanta at home, yeah, yeah. and you have at the Giants. Yeah, on paper, yeah. not suggesting you win all three of those. Right, but that—that's—that's that's after the start of the season. That that would be the other soft spot on the schedule, the soft landing yeah. leading into the bye. But to your guys' points, you just hope they have enough bodies and aren't totally yeah. broken down by that point, late November, early December. And, yeah, and you look at the end of the season. Not saying FedEx is a home field advantage at all, but as far as traveling they don't have they go san francisco christmas eve but before that you talk about the bye week giants at home at san fran then cleveland dallas to finish up so not much traveling in december except for out west that one uh one game christmas eve how about the carson wentz revenge tour we knew it was coming now we know the dates (laughs) well philly at indy and you know what's funny is initially i was like you know what they're going to be jazzed up for that uh for that game uh, the monday nighter it's going to be in philadelphia against the team that drafted them and probably everybody's going to try to get it but again i think the rest deficit is going to be a factor in that game and i think they actually take the one at fedex field and then drop the one on uh on monday night Uh, the game at indianapolis though ah that's kind of a coin flip for me because i think indianapolis is the far superior team on paper but 
And I actually picked them to beat, and Ben's going to love this, I actually picked them to beat the Packers because mm-hmm. of the rest deficit. They're coming off the Thursday nighter. They have sort of a mini buy uh, at, at that juncture of the season. So then you turn around with 10 days to prepare for Aaron Rodgers and very little else on offense. <laughs> Ain't right. But that's a tough – they got pet with the Packers, Colts, Vikings. That's a tough – with the trip to Indy. Yeah. Mean, that's a tough stretch followed by the uh, – and then you got that, the Monday nighter. So, yeah. I mean, look, it's – it, it is what it is. It's fun to sit here and talk about because you can dissect and we act like we know what we're talking about. But just glancing at it, I like, you know, usually some sometimes you see the three weeks in a row, three road games in a row, uh, you know, three home games in a row. We don't see that this year. It's every other. The home schedule is, um, you know, nine times, nine home games for the first time. It was last year they had the road game as the extra. And look, nobody wants to see this team in prime time. We know that they get two games. Okay, not at it's home. great. Not at FedEx. It's fine. Not at home. Needs. The home yeah. home games are at one o'clock. Like it's a under the radar type of thing. And you know, maybe you just go out, take care of business, sneak up on some people, and you get to November, and we're talking, you know, upper half of the NFC East. Then it could be fun to talk about. You look at the, the remaining games. Yeah, right. not much time zone travel either. Just right, one right. trip oh, out west to San Francisco. I, I, yeah, I, and, and I I don't know Minnesota and Indianapolis off the top of my head, but the only West Coast game they have is the San Francisco game. And right. Kyle Shanahan has, makes it a point to beat Washington to pieces every time he sees them. So I already I, – I, I, that's an L right there unless they go through some ridiculous uh, spate of injuries. But uh, my my pick is eight and nine. I think they start the season really fast. Oh, you're going out on a limb, huh? Eight, I am. Look, eight and nine after I, your predicted three and zero starts. I know. I, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. I think they start fast. I think they start the season fast. I think the rest deficit becomes an issue toward the middle, uh, and they limp their way into the bye week. By then, they will still be on the periphery of the playoff picture, but not enough to you know, to, to, to really make a, a, a statement there at the end of December. So that's my prognostication that we'll laugh at probably in December. Uh, what 10 you- wins, 10 wins. Oh, you've got them at 10. You've got them at 10 and seven. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no ties in honor of Dave. Preston. No, no, no. I'm no the ties. contrarian over here. I'm going right down the middle fellas. I'm so boring. Eight, eight and one. <laughs> okay, what game's the tie? What's the you, tie? You gonna say the ties against the Packers? They're right. t- no, they're losing to Green Bay. Come on, they <laughs> are tying in Indianapolis. Oh, that would be something because then eventually- there are no winners that day. No, how how on brand would that be if Carson Wentz goes one one in one against his former teams? Uh, Perfect. Oh, oh man, or. Or the or or they tie week one against Jacksonville and Carson cannot get revenge against the team. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's part of his way, revenge story. You, You're right. Can, can we? Can you just imagine if this team comes out all this stuff? You get Jacksonville, the worst team in the league, and you go like a six six game in the opener. Oh man! In front of you know thirty five thousand people. I, I mean, you could probably take the zeros off that. That's probably a more realistic crowd. I don't think that Jacksonville <laughs> travels like that. By the way, that's the other thing, you know, with, with, you know, we always talk about fine FedEx field is what it is and there's no home field advantage and the opposing team each week comes in with more and more fans. What's Jacksonville going to have? They have any, anybody in the area Actually, I mean, to, to, to that, to that point, George Jacksonville, yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. 
Minnesota. I don't know how well they travel. They have a fan yeah. base, I guess. Although I'm gonna push back. I'm gonna push back on Tennessee a little bit. They they're really passionate in Tennessee. They just don't yeah. have like a, a a nationwide. I've met one Jaguars fan who is not from Jacksonville. Right. One. Oh, we work and with him. Who? Steve Lino. Oh, yeah, you he's a huge Jaguars fan. He is. This is the guy that he I used is. to work with. This is the guy I used to work with in Pennsylvania. And the, I mean, the, the guy was insane. But and there are also there are a lot of Washington fans in Tennessee. I remember when they would go there, it would be there'd be a lot of burgundy and gold in the stands there. So I mean, anywhere, anywhere um, in the south. I mean, Washington was the yeah, team in the south, Carolina. whatever that's worth. So yeah, Carolina and uh, and actually, there's uh, and I, I spent a lot of years, more years than I care to admit, in central Pennsylvania. And there's a huge Washington <laughs> contingent there as well from the days when they used to have training camp in Carlisle. So yeah. Central Pennsylvania is still very much uh, Washington. It's actually a confluence of like Washington, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Philly fans. Like they're, mm. it's like a real interesting area for uh, NFL fans, but I digress like way off the beaten path. So uh, George, I would like to know also, you look at quickly the preseason schedule and there's always talk about the joint preseason schedule. You got the Panthers week one in the preseason. Revenge. Joint practice. You got Kansas city. Maybe joint practice with the chiefs. And then in Baltimore week three, thank God there's only three preseason games again. I I get that's the, that's the best positive. Looking at the schedule is great too, but remembering when you glance at it, there's only three preseason games makes it even that much better. Yeah, because we're not fighting for a roster as men 53 through. I know. So, You're right. You're right. Uh, ben, uh, what's your prediction? Uh, you said 8-8-1. Eight, eight, That's right. I anytime, did say that, yes. Anytime somebody says ties, it immediately, like, just it's a self-preservation tool. Like, I just purge it from my mind immediately because ties are the well, Preston Just being picks, contrarian. Preston's going 8-6-3, and three, so. <laughs> I know. Do you know how hard it is for me to not put him in a headlock every time he does that? Do you have uh, any idea? A 500 uh, football team, fellas. Yeah, HR yeah. has already talked to me about putting Dave in a headlock. All right, so. Uh, <laughs> Why do you think he's not here tonight? Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, you come on here with ties. Yeah. All right, so. Um, all right. Ties so for Tuesday. Go. Yeah, so <laughs> now we go from the fun stuff to the not-so-fun stuff because <laughs> the Washington Capitals are going to be fighting for their playoff lives at Capital One Arena on Thursday night. And I hope that, or Friday, 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 Friday night, Friday. Night. This is Thursday night. See when we tape on off kilter times, it screws up my body clock. All right. So Friday nights, the capitals will fight for their uh, playoff lives and who better than Ben Raby to break it down for us. The way that they lost, and I'm still trying to figure out how they lost that game five. You're up three, nothing midway through the second period. And then all hell breaks loose. Carter Verhege, that name is going to just ruin Caps fans for years and years and years to come. So, uh, first of all, what the hell happened in, in week five or, or uh, game five? I'm still in schedule. <laughs> yeah, in yeah. Five. And is that something that can derail them in game six? Like, are they done or is this something that like propels them? to force a seventh game. Yeah, no, that was pretty deflating the way it unfolded because they've now blown leads. The Capitals have in both games four and five. And I'll say objectively speaking in game four, even though the lead was blown late in regulation and ultimately it's an overtime loss that night, I think you could objectively say the Florida Panthers were the much better team for large stretches. 
You look at the other night, game five, series tied at two games apiece, and the Capitals jump out to that 3 nothing lead. The Capitals played well for large stretches to begin that game, and it got away from them. And I think for that reason, it's more of the deflating of the two defeats. But the Florida Panthers, fellas, this is what they did all season. The Cardiac Cats is what they call themselves. They had a league-high 29 comebacks. They set an NHL record, five comebacks by three or more goals. There were some questions with that regular season success, that comeback ability translated into the playoffs when teams that are up three goals, you know, tend to clamp down defensively and lock it up, so to say. Capitals were unable to do that. They were very, uh, you could almost say, careless with the puck, turnover issues. They invited the Florida Panthers back into that game, and the Panthers, to their credit, took advantage of it. It's a never-to-say-die group. They showed it all regular season. Once they got one or two the other night in Florida, and they were getting on the board and the comeback was on its way, uh, you had a sense in the building, all the momentum shifting to Florida's side. They knew what they were capable of, and I'm sure similarly from a Caps perspective, the air was uh, very much let out. Now they're in the unenviable position of fighting for their lives here, down three games to two. Now, hey ben, did, is it is it is it a situation? Regular season, didn't they? They 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 came back from three down in the regular season twice in Florida, yeah, it, right? In in Florida, it was a while ago, but yeah, these teams when they last met in the regular season in late November, I referenced the Panthers having an NHL record five comebacks by three or more goals. One of them was against the Capitals. They rallied from four one down, so it was like deja vu, just with the stakes, you know, slightly higher, significantly higher. Uh, but Ben, so is it, is it, I mean, this is a, you get the veterans on this team. You'd have been in this situation before I have three goal leads in playoffs. Did they get, did they play not to lose once they go up three like that, especially on the road? No, I would say it was the opposite. They were almost going for extra when it wasn't necessarily needed. Okay. They were trying to do gotcha. extra TJ Oshie acknowledged as much post game saying they were trying to be too cute. And they didn't need to be when you're up three or you're up two, even up one in the second period. The right. simple plays were getting away from them. And they're a veteran bunch. They, they've been here before. They ought, to, they ought to know better. They do know better. They didn't do it, though. And when TJ Oshie says, when TJ Oshie says, I hear him say, we're still trying to find ourselves and how to play. Is that, is, what does that mean? I mean, you know, this, these guys, you would think they've been in these situations. You were in that situation in game four, like you mentioned up late they pulled the goalie with three minutes to go it worked out i mean what does he mean by that in you know especially with this group in a situation like i just think they need to find what they have shown flashes of they just haven't done it for periods long enough stretches long enough in the games i was thinking of you george it's it's like the seinfeld line you know early seinfeld i know you love seinfeld it's like the reservations okay they know how to take the reservations They just don't know how to hold the reservation. They know what they need to do and they get it started and they have done it and they've shown flashes of it, be it for 15, 20 minutes at a time. They just aren't able to maintain that as easy as it sounds to do it for 60 minutes. They need to do something closer to 60 minutes. It gets away from them. And again, they invite the Florida Panthers back in the game as they have. And uh, yeah, now find themselves fighting for their playoff lives, but they have it in them. They have it in them. Maybe it's easier said than done, but uh, for a veteran bunch, uh, you would think they ought to be able to, to clamp down and lock it down, which is something that for years they did very well, thinking back years ago, closer to that Stanley Cup run in 2018. And I thought it was interesting the way Peter Laviolette said, Laviolette said that, you know, these goals, like, don't you can't blame Sam Sonoff for these kind of things. I mean, obviously you got to blame him, but like, 
you know, is it, is he saying that as, you know, give that he's, cause he's going to need his goaltender for two more games or at least one more game. You don't want to lose him either uh, confidence wise. And I'm sure the team will pick him up too. As you mentioned, they have it in and they've been in this situation before they've come home down three, two plenty of times. Uh, obviously no the numbers off the top of my head, but um, how do they go into that situation with the goaltender? Like in, in, in a brand, this is brand new for him too. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's the shame now. Also, when you look big picture for the way the season unfolded, yeah, this is, this really is, don't be fooled by the five, three loss, the five goals against this is, if you look at the last three starts from Samsonov, his three starts in the series since yeah. he took over, I'll make the case. This is one of the best three game stretches he's had all year. He was wow. very inconsistent during the regular season. The big question coming into this series was, well, could they, if the Capitals got the goaltending, hey, they could win the series. Well, they're getting the goaltending. The goaltending yeah. has been really good. And unfortunately, they haven't been able to fully take advantage of it. So of all things, you were wondering coming into this series, so many question marks around the goaltending. Now here we are, their season's on the line. There's a lot of questions. The goaltending is, actually isn't one of them. The goaltending has been very, very good. Uh, surprisingly very good to this point. And uh, just unfortunate from the Caps' perspective that they haven't been able to fully take advantage of it because so many times during the season, the goaltending wasn't there. And now right. when it matters most, it finally is, and they still find themselves down. And that's been the interesting thing, like sort of coming out of that game five was almost to a man. Everybody was saying, like, I'm happy with the way we've played. I think we had a good game. Obviously, we let it get away there toward the end. But if you take what we did the first period and a half, like that's the kind of hockey we need to play. But the question is, are they going to be able to play like they did the first half of game five in game six and force a seventh game? What do you think, Ben? Are, are they, they're, they're going to make it a game seven, do or die? Well, I, th I think the troubling thing here is that the Capitals know what they need to do, but the Panthers, as this series has progressed, they've gotten better. Better. And and I think they're they're smelling they're smelling blood here. You know they could taste round two, which the Panthers haven't reached since 1996, the longest active drought in the NHL. But the Panthers, the President's Trophy winners, they're a young core. They're still going through this. Some of them for the first time. They acknowledged themselves early in the series when the Capitals built that 2-1 lead. They were very candid, the Panthers were. They were using words like, we're, we're playing nervous, we're tight, we're tentative, we're frustrated. They, I was actually surprised how open they were with the media, acknowledging that you know they were a little uncomfortable. And in the past few games, as the Capitals have invited them back into those games, back into the series, they're a confident bunch right now. I would imagine the Panthers recognize what's at stake here in a business trip for them. I would anticipate uh, the Capitals are going to have their hands full against uh, a pretty hungry, feeling good about themselves Panthers bunch. Yeah, it's one of those situations where you let them stick around long enough, like yep. a basketball game. You let somebody stick around long enough. You got to put your you got to put your skate on the throat in Game Four, win that game, and then you know last night they had a chance. It, it, you could you could see it. I mean, you're right. It's a, to that point. Thinking about it that way, you let them hang around, and now all of a sudden you've given them the, all the confidence in the world to. Uh, they need to win one of two. Yeah, the Panthers have shown two things in their past two wins. They've shown that they could win a low-scoring, grinded-out, slog-fest of a game as they did in Game 4, where goals were at a premium, and they rallied late and eventually won 3-2 in overtime. That was kind of your typical postseason games. They right. patted themselves on the shoulders, showed, said, hey, we could do this. We could win this type of game. And then conversely, Game 5 the other night, 
They were able to rally as they did during the regular season from a three goal deficit. And they were able to show, Hey, we could also come with our high octane offense and turn a deficit very quickly into an advantage. So the Panthers are showing they could play either way right now. They could play either game and they're suited for either one. At least that's what they're telling themselves. And it has put them in, in this position where, uh, again, they're, they're 60 minutes away from advancing. Uh, I think it's safe to say, like, uh, you know, we've seen, obviously you've seen quick starts from the Caps go up three nothing, but I would say you can't get down two goals early Friday night, right? Yeah, but what, what, what I've realized too is it's more than just the quick start because you're right. It's, it's almost a cliche. Well, weather the storm for the first 10 minutes, yeah. you know, get through the first period. No, no, now it's really maintain it. Keep going right. second, third. <laughs> Obviously you want to play a complete game, but, but the way the Panthers are built and the depth in their lineup and the young core that they have, they don't tire. They've shown that ability, the best third period team during the season, they have that comeback ability. They've shown it. And uh, not only do you not want to fall behind, but even if you're up early, you can't go, you can't revert to what they showed in game five, the Capitals, where they didn't clamp down defensively and they gave right. the, the Panthers those opportunities. All right. Ben hedged. And, uh, and I don't think he can really pick a winner or loser anyway, since he's so close to it. But George, you're, you're, you're saying they're going to lose game six. Well, on this, this uh, what is this little huddle thing we do? Uh, this, uh, I said caps in six initially. Yeah, you did. Obviously, obviously, it's not going to be the case. Yeah. But I think they win tomorrow night. Let's have some fun. Let's go seven. We got to get Ben back to Florida. I, 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 that's the thing. I'm going to agree with you. And, uh, and Ben can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe that the Capitals in game sixes in the Alex Ovechkin era are five and one. Does that, does that even sound kind of true? I thought I saw that earlier today. But, I would have to confirm that. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, we're just going to say it's true because – Hey, it's just between us. Go ahead, Ben. You can yeah, yeah, I like it I, because it sounds good. It sounds favorable, and it means the Capitals win. So I'm taking the Caps in game six. They force a game seven, and we all know anything can happen in a game but seven. I'm going to use ben that. Doesn't have, ben doesn't have to pick it, but does Ben – do you think they're going to come to play tomorrow night? Yes, I do, especially at the start. Yeah, all right. Okay. And they maintain it. All right. right. Well, all you right. heard it here first. Ben Raby guarantees the Capitals <laughs> win. <laughs> so put it on the bulletin board in the Florida locker room. Yeah, I right. gave you eight, eight, and one for the, the commanders. Come on. Yeah. All right. This was a great huddle, guys. Uh, we talked a little football. We talked a little hockey. We had fun. Uh, we laughed. We cried. And at the end of it all, the DC Sports Huddle is sponsored by MGM National Harbor. It's time to change the game at Bet MGM Sports. I am Rob Woodfork. You know George Wallace. You know Ben Raby. And if we are wrong about any of our predictions here today, forget we said anything. Have a great one. And here's me breaking the huddle. News in the D.C. area can change rapidly from one minute to the next. Break it all down and go beyond the headlines with DMV Download, the new podcast from WTOP News. I'm Megan Cloherty. And I'm Luke Garrett. Weekday afternoons, hear from WTOP reporters and guests as we unpack the top stories of the day in the D.C. area. The DMV Download podcast from WTOP News. Listen, rate, and leave us a review. Available now on all podcast platforms. Presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Hey, Nissan, how do you get to the top? Calculating. Proceed to 1959. Take a hard left in East Africa at the 71 Safari Rally. Veer right for 19 off-road championships in the Baja Desert. Proceed towards Moab. Take the trail to Hell's Revenge. Include steep incline. Continue for the next million miles. 
Um, where to first again? 60 years, millions of miles, and the capability to take you anywhere. This is the new Nissan. Your story, it lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives.